Well, we are in unusual times. What I mean by that is that last Wednesday night I had an unusual experience with the Lord in terms of Him speaking to me in an unusual time. And uh, I came with a message ready and before I came out, the Lord said, I want you to share what I talked to you about on the way in the car, which doesn't give me a lot of time to write notes and to polish and to do all that lovely stuff. But we did it anyway. And I know that not everybody, I know people in our church enjoy it, but I know not everybody out there. <laughs> Some people may think that we're kooks. And what freaks me out is that every now and then I'll have a pastor from the States or somebody like that that I wouldn't think would ever in a million years watch us and they'll, they'll text me and they'll say, I watched what you said, heard what you said, and I realize all the more, my God, I've got to be careful what I say because people watch that I don't know who they are. But God told me to say it, and so I said it. And it needs to be said, and God needs boldness. Listen, if I can't even be bold enough to say certain things, how is it ever going to happen? <laughs> but sometimes it takes boldness just to say it, because people may not understand you. They may misunderstand your motives. But uh, since Wednesday, there's been another experience that I had with God that was similar to Wednesday, but, but different, and on a different subject, but a similar subject. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me today, and he said, that what I've been talking to you about, I want you to share that publicly. And I said, Lord, you're moving too fast, Father. I can't handle this. I need time to process. I need time to write it out. I need time to pray over it. I need time to meditate on it. I need time to see if I believe it. I mean, I do believe it. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, but he's moving me fast, faster than I'm comfortable with in my flesh. And he said, no, I told you this is a year of acceleration. And so there's, re and I don't know why fully, I think it's because people have, we need people to pray about certain things, which is why he's having certain things shared at this season. But he said, last week you shared something and he said, and, 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 I, and you know, you can sense, have a sense sometimes of, well, you know, you know, God's really using me, but then he'll, he'll cut you down to size. <laughs> Because he told me, he said, the only reason that you share, the only reason you even know this and the only reason you can share it is because of the people that are praying for you. Now, I'm praying, but there's people that are praying. And there are certain, and some of you are in this room, that you have been picking up a sense in your spirit that there's an urgency to pray more. And so, and I know I have, I have a couple intercessors that pray about four hours a day for me. At least two people in the church are praying four hours a day for me. And I, and I know that because I talked to them and I didn't ask them to do that. God came on them to do that. And I know part of, and I know other people are praying. Don't, don't let the number four hours make you feel like, well, what's the point? Because it doesn't matter if it's five minutes. There is seasons where you have to get in and stay in a while to get, to, to get certain things accomplished. But God knows your schedule and he knows other people's schedule. And, and, and your 20 minutes or five minutes or whatever is, is not a lot. It's not a waste. Just because you can't give as much as others, you give the measure of your part. And don't compare yourself to other people because we need prayers in this season. But I know, and he kind of reminded me, not to humble me, but just to humble me. Just to say, it's not just you. It's, you're, there's a team happening here. And because of the prayers of the saints, I'm able to speak to you because they have unlocked things in the spirit that now I can talk to you about. Isn't it interesting that God would use somebody to pray but not show them 
not show it to them because they don't stand in that office. But their prayers release and unlock something, unlocks a box like in the spirit realm and that revelation in that box, God can then reveal to me. All I have to do is be able to hear him and position myself. Amen. And that doesn't disqualify me from praying because I need to pray more too. We all need to pray more for what's coming. We do. And I know not everybody gets it. And I know a lot of people are just consumed with their little lives. But, but I can't, I can't, we don't, we just want, don't want to hurt anybody. We just want everybody to come and we're just praying that they're going to get revelation and that they're going to keep pace with us. And, 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 you know, some people, they're keeping pace, but, but they may not have the same prayer life as somebody else, but they are keeping pace because they're doing the best for the measure of what their life can do and handle right now. Because that's, that's what we're looking. We're looking for people to keep pace. But last week I, I shared some things. And again, it wasn't polished because I had barely enough time to process it. But, but he said to me, and the gist of it was, and if you didn't listen to it, you should, because I, I share a bit of a history, but the gist of it was that I have been I, I know that, that when that mantle came, uh, that a mantle came, I, I knew that it had helped me step into that office, right? And so that a mantle came from Elijah to help Elisha step into that office. I knew that, but I also knew on the other side of my head, my brain, that that, that, that was the vision that Dr. Dufresne saw was the Amy Simple McPherson mantle, but I could not connect the dots. And so I just stopped talking about the Amy Simple thing. And I haven't really talked about that for a while because my focus was, well, the, the mantle, the, the anointing for this apostolic work has come. And so that's all I've been focusing on. But then the Lord opened that box of revelation and he said, why have you laid aside talking about Amy Simple McPherson? And I said, well, Lord, to be honest with you, I'm not doing it on purpose, but I don't really understand it. And then I saw it. See, that's called revelation knowledge. I saw it. I understood it. My mind was enlightened from what was in my spirit. My spirit knew it all the time, but my mind hasn't has caught up yet on certain things. And I saw, and then he said to me, he said that mantle from Elijah, Elijah was a prophet. It was a prophetic mantle that came on Elisha to help him step into the prophet's office. And he said, you're, 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 you've laid aside talking about that and because you aren't connecting dots. And then he connected the dots for me. He said, you look at Amy Simple McPherson as though she were only an evangelist. But what she was, was a bona fide apostle of God. And she started the four square movement, which is in almost every single country of the world today. Just like, what's the guy's name with the Salvation Army that you taught on again? Just like William Booth. I mean, a man... A man like, the world is not worthy of men like that. If you realize what he did. And I know that the generations have kind of got away from his initial vision. But if you realize what he accomplished, he started an entire denomination that is all over the globe. I mean, it is astonishing what that man did. He, the world's not worthy of people like that. And he wasn't celebrated in his lifetime the way he deserved to be celebrated. We celebrate him now because we look and we say, my God, what did you accomplish, William Booth? Yeah. Well, Amy Simba McPherson is kind of the same thing. She has started works all over the earth. She was not celebrated in her life the way she probably should have been. But we look back and we say, my God, what a deposit you left in the earth. So in no way am I trying to compare us to her or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is I didn't author this. This wasn't my idea. I didn't know that God was going to remove the roof and show him a mantle coming down. I didn't know that he was going to say it was on that church, then on that church and on that church and give me the whole story. And he didn't even fully know what it meant. 
But he said, I know it came, it was by the lake shore. I didn't know that God was going to set me beside the pastor whose father was the last pastor of the Bond Street Church. And he would go through the entire thing for an hour with me and explain the whole history of that it came from her, that she had it in her heart for Canada, that she said, I will not forget Canada, take it to the shores of Ontario, take my mantle to the shores. And that was the mantle that came and that's what Dr. Dufresne saw and he saw it move and we are the fourth church. But because I, I was so focused on the fact that it's the mantle that's getting us into that apostle's office and I didn't see her as an apostle, I stopped talking about her. And he said, you've not, this is interesting the way he phrased it, you've laid it aside. So it's possible to lay things aside, not even realize you're laying it aside. And he said, pick that back up. I said, I'll do it, Lord. And meaning I'll do it, you know, later this year. He said, you'll do it tonight. Because God is, <laughs> he, he wants quick movement. And so I obeyed hesitantly, knowing that people might judge me and not understand. People might think that I think I'm bigger than I am, which I don't. But I, my job is not to worry about what they think. My job is to say, if he says to say it, my job is to say it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to answer to him. I don't care about them. I don't have to answer to them. I have to answer to him. And so I have to say it because that anointing, that apostolic, now I know, now I see, the apostolic anointing and mantle on her has come over three churches and finally landed on us. Why? Because it had to be a prophet's mantle from Elijah so that Elisha would step into the prophet's office. And it was an apostolic mantle to help me step into that apostle's office. Now, I can't, I won't get into it, but he said more since that message. I won't get into all of it because some of it's private. But one of the things he said to me was, he said, I could have used any apostle's mantle to come on you to get you into that office. There's many apostles out there. He said, but I chose hers. I said, Lord, why? I'm not worthy of that. He said, because there's things in that mantle that came from her that you're going to need for what's coming. I couldn't, but then think about that. I could have chosen anyone. See, he chose with Elisha. He chose Elijah. God could have chosen anybody, but he chose her. For whatever reason, he chose her. And I won't get into details because some of it should not be said publicly. And that's not because I'm afraid. It's just because it shouldn't be said publicly. Because it's not time for certain things to be said. And you've got to do things in the right timing. And I'm hesitant to even talk about it now. But he said you talk about it because it's at least this is the right timing to in initialize it. Even if we don't tell every detail. But he said to me, I can, I can say this enough to say this, although I won't give too many specifics. But he said, every one of the previous three churches operated on a certain side or an angle or a facet of that mantle. And he showed me what the Bond Church, they extracted a certain part of that mantle and they, and they executed it. He showed me what that, what that Evangel Temple Church, they operated in a certain, they, 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 there's a certain side of that that, that that manifested through them. And then, and then, the previous church that I was associate pastoring at, there was a certain side of that, that that manifested through them. But then he said to me, none of the previous three were apostolic churches. None of the previous three had apostolic works. They were all pastoral works. And he said, but there is, and there's others, I can't say everything, but he said, there are things in that mantle for the apostolic work that have not been have given expression for a hundred, over a hundred years. They have not been given expression. 
because the other three, that was not what I had on them. But he said, on this church, there's an apostolic call. And the apostolic measure of that mantle, whatever measure we have, he didn't tell me, but he said, the apostolic element in that mantle is going to give, be given expression through your work. Because there was an apostolic part in that mantle. Hallelujah. So we have to say it. We have to understand this is bigger than us. This helps you get it. This helps me get it. That God is interested. And, and, and I really believe with all my heart. I mean, I, I don't understand it all. It's like I, 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 I was born here and then I was taken away to where my heritage is. My heritage on my, on my father's side goes back to the days of the Vortrekkers in the 1600s in Africa. My ancestors were part of those people that were in the Vortrekker stuff and fighting the Zulus. I mean, it goes way back there. I'm never supposed to be in Canada. I'm African, what we call a white African. That's my heritage. My heritage has been there for years, for centuries. I'm supposed to be born there and grow up there and live there because that's what, that's what you do when that's part of your heritage. Do you understand? But God <laughs> saw it fit to interrupt the heritage. And he saw it fit to bring my family here, for me to be born here in Southern Ontario, then to go back for a season and then to come home. And while I'm longing to return for him to say, no, this is what I've called you to do. Why? Because Amy Simple was born in Southern Ontario and there was something in God's heart for that mantle to have expression in Southern Ontario. Yeah, that's right. Not just Los Angeles. Now, isn't it fascinating that somebody that is connected, and I don't know fully, and I can't, I won't say more than this, but, but I know there's something about Pastor Nancy and Amy Simple McPherson. Let's just leave it at that. There's, some, there's a connection there. There's an anointing there. There's, a, there's an element of her that's on her. That's from her, the Amy, that's on Pastor. And that's why God gave her the castle. It's, it's not just a ch by chance. But isn't it fascinating that Amy that was Canadian went to California. And the one in California that has something from her is pastor. And the one in Canada that has something from her is promise of life. And yet God has connected us with her so close. You think you can make that up? You think you can conjure that? You think you can plan something like that? We, were, we didn't even know about it before and we were getting close. What I'm saying is he is so masterful. God is so beyond humanity. He, he does things on, on the side and behind and behind the curtain and under the rug and, and in another dimension that you don't even know. And then all of a sudden he starts to pull it back and you start to see the connections. And you're like, oh my God, how, how could you have done this, Lord? I'm saying that because our relationship with Pastor Nancy is, is it, it, most people have just, they're just a relationship with her. But and that's, and that's independent of everything else. I have a relationship with her that's independent, but I'm saying there is a divine something that's working here and I can't fully understand it, but she is coming into that evangelist office, that flow from Amy. It's going to be manifested on her in the end days. And yet we are also starting to develop in that apostolic thing from Amy. And yet there's a, there's a, there's a connection there between us. I don't understand why or how. I'm just telling you it's holy. 
I know that my mind can't even process and grasp and fathom everything God's doing. I just know that he put me with her. He's put many people with her, but with me, there's another layer. It's not just me. There's another layer with this anointing from somebody that has gone by that's in heaven that she is needing to operate in and we are needing to operate in. And God is, I don't know how it all works, but I know that there's layers with us. That's why I'm asking you to pay close attention when she comes. I'm asking you to sacrifice your time, book vacation if you need to, and make sure that you are here for every word that is spoken from her, not just because she hasn't been here for three years, but because there is a divine supply on one level, but there's also a divine supply from the Amy Simple McPherson level. There is more than one level of supply with her. And I don't understand it all. I just know we have to be around her. We understand that? I hope you don't think I'm crazy. But can, can you pick up in your heart that there's something that is a divine connection? Amen. So praise the Lord. That was, that was last week. I, I, I got my sermon ready tonight for what I, was not gonna, what I didn't do last week. And then I heard him this afternoon say to me, no, you're not preaching that tonight. He said, you're going to talk about, again, what, I talked, what I've shared with you recently. And I said, but Lord, why are you having me share this stuff? I don't know if it's right to share this stuff. I don't, first of all, know, and I don't mean to be mean. Please don't get me wrong. But not everybody is worthy to hear that. Because some people, that just gawk at you and they're not spiritual. They're not really worthy to hear. These are holy and precious things. I'd almost rather cancel the service and just call in my prayers and just share it with five or 10 people because I know they're, they're praying and they're hungry and they're, but to just say it out there. And then I said, I'll cancel live stream. And he said, no, you won't. I said, are you sure you want this to be put out there for anybody to hear? And he said, you say it. Now I'm telling that takes boldness. This is why you pray Ephesians 6 for me, that I'd have bold utterance because nothing in me wants to share some of these things, but I know that God wants them shared. And I don't fully know why, but maybe he'll explain it to me later, but I know that it must be spoken. They must be, they must be articulated with a voice. They must be, or it's going to hinder them coming to pass. And so I've been, <laughs> I've been asking the Lord for, I don't even know when I went to Africa. When was it that I went there, Jenny, for that fast? Was it 19 or 18? I can't even remember. It was one of those two years when I went there to fast and pray for three days. 19. And, and I've been asking God since then. He hasn't answered me. But he answered me this week. Some things you'll talk to God about for years and he's silent. I don't know why because it's not the right time. Or because enough prayer hasn't been made. So I'm not sure if it's the timing or if, the, or if it's the prayer. Because I know prayer is increasing and revelation is increasing. So maybe it would have come earlier if there had been more prayer earlier. I don't know. I don't care. The point is, is that it's happening now. I've been asking this since, let's say it's 19. That would be four years. I've been asking the Lord to help me understand this for four years because I don't really understand it. And he showed it to me this week and I'm hesitant to share it. But I feel like I'll be in disobedience to him if I don't share it. And it's about Africa. Now I've got Matthew and Precious that are watching. Matthew's in Africa that are watching and, and, uh, and it's important that they hear this and that they hear this as it's spoken because I've been asking God for a long time. I'm a box person. I'm a category person. I have to understand things. It has to click in me or I can't. It bothers me if things don't click and I'm very categorical. That's just the way my personality is, which is good when you're running things because if you're all scattered, it's hard to be organized. So I'm saying, Lord, I know this Amy simple thing 
is the primary. I know it is. And I know this thing for Africa is the secondary because I know that because he's borne witness for years about that. I said, but I don't understand this Africa thing. I don't understand this. First of all, I have no idea. Like you said, go to Africa to, to, to pick that up. But I, and, I, and I know because on the, on the last 10 minutes of that three day fast, the presence of God fell in the room and he said, now you've got it. I said, but I don't even know what I've got. I don't know what I've got. I just know it's an anointing, but I don't even understand it. And he's never explained it to me since then. So I'm going and I'm putting a focus on the primary. And then last week, this thing comes out about the primary and I'm starting to understand the primary more. Primary means Amy Simple. But now that I, I feel like I, I got some grip, I got handles on that Amy Simple McPherson thing. There's still a lot I don't know, but I've got enough that I can actually connect dots now. So now my gaze turns to what I don't understand. And I've been saying, Lord, I've been asking you for ages. You haven't said anything to me. So there's no reason for me to think you'll say anything to me now. But I'd still like to ask you anyway, what about this, this, this Africa thing? This John Lake thing? Because I don't really understand how it fits with the Amy thing. I know it's secondary, but just because it's secondary, you don't want to show dishonor for it. And I probably am, but without meaning to, just like I was showing dishonor for the Amy one, but not meaning to, and I'm not talking about it. And I said, I need to understand. Well, he showed it to me. I've been waiting four years for this, and he showed it to me. I'm telling you supernaturally, he showed it to me. And I feel like I need to share it because people need to know so they can pray. So years ago, we had a wonderful man of God who actually stands in the office of a prophet. He's a pastor, which is very unusual. You don't normally have somebody that is, can step into the prophet's office as a pastor. But Pastor Jay Eberly, he is a pastor. He is a teacher. He stands in the teaching office, but he can step into that prophet's office at different, you know, it, it manifests more when he's on the road than when he's at home. But, but he is, he stands in that office. And so he came to our church I don't know when that was, Taylor, but 14 or 15 or something. And, and in the series of services, he, uh, he began to prophesy. He, 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 he had a vision and he saw, was it 15? Whatever it was, 16? 16. And he saw and he prophesied out loud. And he said, there's a great man of God in Africa. That's how he said it. And he dropped a mantle. And he said, and now you, and he pointed at me, he said, now you're going to go and you're going to pick that mantle up. Now, he didn't know anything. At that point, we hadn't met Matthew. At that point, in 14, God said, you're going back to Africa, but I had no idea the context, where, when, what. I was praying for four years before we met Matthew. So this happened in that season of four years of praying. So now I know God said you're going back and now he's saying this. So I, this is a confirmation about, I don't know where, what, when, how, but something's going to happen in Africa. Now I've got a confirmation beyond what God said to me from, and I didn't tell anybody. So he didn't know I was even thinking about Africa. And he said, there's a great man that dropped a mantle. You're going to pick it up. And it's important for the, for the last days of the last days. It's important. So in the green room, he says to me, I didn't want to say this publicly. You see, see the hesitancy. That's why I'm very hesitant. But for whatever reason, God wants me to say it. He said, I didn't want to say it publicly. He said, but the mantle that I was talking about that has been dropped, I saw it in the spirit. It was John G. Lake. And you're going to pick up that mantle. Now, I have, this is not 
This is public. I've shared this before. What I'm going to share, I have never shared before. But I'm giving you because some people are new. They haven't even heard this. So I said, Lord, well, how do I respond to that? What do I do for that? Well, I asked him, Pastor Jay, what do I do? He said, I, I don't know. You talk to God. My job is not to tell you how to do it. My job is to tell you that it's there. Yeah. Well, that's not a very good job description. You need to tell me how to do it. I'm not going to give you the bigger offering now because you didn't, you didn't fulfill your job here. Anyway, so that was 16, I guess they're telling me. So uh, I just spent some time. And uh, I think it was in 17, I think it was in 17 that uh, I decided to go because I don't know what I'm doing. So I, when you don't know what to do, just do something. So I went on a trip and I went six, drove 6,000 kilometers through six different countries in Southern Africa, praying and seeking God through all 6,000 kilometers because God said, I'm sending you back. And Pastor Jay said, there's a mantle. So I, I do that. And God didn't speak anything to me. Great. Wonderful. All that time. Except one thing at the very end of the trip. He said, you can't run Africa from Canada. You have to have. Now, that was in 14 I went. The same year he said, I'm sending you back, I went there. That was in 14. He said, you can't run it from Canada. You have to have a spiritual son that lives there. He didn't tell me what country. He didn't tell me nothing. So that was 14. He spoke to me. I'm sending you back. 14, I go back to do this drive. And I realize I can't run this because I was going to run it from here. But you have to have a son. So I start praying because of that trip for the son. It took four years for the son to manifest. It took another o o over four years for now the son to be there. You see how long things take at times? But at least I knew in 14 I needed a son. And I'm praying. Now, during that time I'm praying, he comes in 16, two years in. And he says, you, you, there's a mentor you pay. I don't know what that means. So whenever it was, 18 or 19, I think it was 19, I go, I go there because the Lord said, he gave me instruction. He said, if you want to pick up, then I, it doesn't always apply this way, but for some reason it did this, way, this time. So don't make this a doctrine because you've got to be led by the Spirit. But he said, in this case, not every case, but in this case, in order to pick that up, you need to go there. Your feet must be on the soil for where he dropped it. So I said, okay. So I, I went there and I, into Johannesburg and I, and I fasted for three days, water only. I'd never really fasted before, so that was kind of hard. I had no idea 40 was coming up, 40 days. I would have counted my blessings on the three days. But I thought I'd shot the moon, which for me I had, because all I could think about was bagels, pizza, cream cheese. I'd have dreams. You know of that, like, what, that cartoon where they rain food from heaven? What's it called? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. That's, that's what my dream was every night. I would just dream of all the foods that I loved, and I'd wake up and nothing's there. But I did what God said, and I, and, and I had taken a book, uh, a book with me, and uh, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, this book was reprinted. The original book had a letter in it from John Lake written to another man in Africa. But then they took that letter out of all the subsequent printings because I guess they were, got some persecution against the ministry. People didn't like that letter for whatever reason. So the publishers took the letter out. So now all the books that are printed from back way under to now, none of them have that letter in it. Now, the book that I was reading did not have the letter in it. Okay, I didn't even know the letter existed. It didn't have the letter in it. But as I'm packing my bag to go to Africa, the Lord said, I want you to take a John Lake book. You're going there about him, so I want you to read. 
I said, okay. And he said, take that book. Now, I thought it was the same book that I'd been reading. But Jenny had cleaned up and put, one, put another book there that was the exact same book. <laughs> but I had no idea that it was the original production book, not the letter production. I'd been reading the letter production. I thought they were the same. Thank God that I was led to take the right book. Because if I'd taken the one I had been reading, it, it didn't have the letter in it, and I didn't even know there was a letter. So I just thought it was the, whatever. I just didn't know I was being led, and I just took the book, and I'm getting there, and he said, go to the beginning. So I went to the beginning, and I see this letter. And I said, this is not right. There's no letter in this book. I've been studying the other book for years. There's no letter in it. I didn't realize that God had led me to the original, the original one, the original published book. Not even knowing that. So as I'm sitting there in the hotel room, very hungry, mind you, as I'm sitting there looking at this letter, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I've, I've orchestrated this for you to read this letter this week. And I didn't realize how supernatural it was till later because I didn't know that you can't find that letter anymore. And that I didn't even know that letter existed because I hadn't been looking at the old book, I'd been looking at the newer book. So this is, I'm reading this for the first time. And he said, read that letter. I'm going to speak to you. Now this is a letter that he's writing when he's 58 years old from Spokane, Washington. He's writing it to a pastor in Johannesburg, a minister in Johannesburg. And seven years later is when he died. Okay, so this is 1928, November. He writes the letter. He dies in 1935, September. So this is just six weeks, seven weeks shy of seven years later that he passed away. So I'm reading this letter and I'm going so he said, go slow. I'm going to talk and he's talked to me different sections through it, different things. And so I would, I, I would write notes and different things. And I got to this one place at the very end of the letter. And I'm so hesitant to share this, but I, the Lord, I've never shared this publicly. And that has to be said with kid gloves because I don't ever, ever want to bring in any form. I don't even want the slightest whiff, the slightest scent of dishonor for Dr. John G. Lake, because Dr. John G. Lake was a man the world is not worthy of. And, and we could never accomplish what he has done in his ministry. He was a titan and a general. So nothing is said in a way that is dishonoring, but I'm telling you, I have to, tell, I have to say something, because God spoke to me in that hotel room. Do you understand? So I, I say it with the deepest of honor. And by the way, from the time I came to Canada at 12 years old, nothing in Africa for some reason, but as soon as I landed here, one of the men in the church that was a, a spiritual man, he was a fireman actually, he, his, his job was a fireman in the Toronto Fire Service, but he, he, my mother was a single mother and she had her two kids with her and I was only 11 years old, 12 years old, and he, he kind of took a, a shine to me and he, would, he, would just, he was just a, like a, a nice man, he was very kind to me in the church. And now he's an associate pastor out in a different, different part of, of Toronto. But for years, he was very kind, and he would, he would see my hunger for God. And so he said to me, his name is Pastor Dennis Penovax, and he said to me when I was real small, he said, I want you to read this book. And he handed me a John Lake book. And I'm telling you, I studied that book. When I would read that book, I'd feel my whole soul would come alive. I didn't know it was a spiritual reaction because I was so small. He would, then he handed me, he saw how hungry I was. He said, I want you to read this book. And he gave me a Wigglesworth book. And all my teenage years, because I didn't know who Dad Hagen was, but all my teenage years, I studied John Lake and Smith Wigglesworth hundreds and hundreds of hours 
I read their material. I read every single book any of them wrote. That's all I studied was John Lake and Smith Wigglesworth. But John Lake was the first. John Lake, in some ways, felt like almost like a spiritual father to me, even though I, because his, his, the revelation was burning in me. You can get an impartation through books, not just by the meeting the person. Many of you have got an impartation from Kenneth Hagin. You never had him lay hands on you. But, but you're actually more of a son or a daughter to him than even people that graduated Rhema that heard it and turned their back on it. So don't underestimate the power of impartation through the written word. In fact, God told Brother Hagin the greatest way to get the message out and to impact people is the written word. And so I'm telling you, for all my teenage years, I got something. I'm telling you, it went in me. Why? Because it's for today. I didn't even know there was a connection back then. I just knew that I was drawn to his books. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I get to the last page of this book and he starts to say something on the last page of this letter, I should say, this letter, uh, which is in the book. But he starts to say something. And as I'm, say, as I'm reading what he's saying, the presence of God came in the room. I mean, strong. And God said to me, I'm going to tell you something about his life. And I'm thinking, who am I? I I'm nobody. Would you talk to Billy Brim or something? She's the one that does all the stuff. Why are you talking to me? But I, I didn't understand why he was talking to me. Now I understand. I didn't understand then. He said, I'm going to talk to you about his, I'm going to tell you something about his life. And I said, Lord, what do you want to tell me? And he said to me, he said, John G. Lake died prematurely. Now, if you look at the standard that God has when people live out the plan, it's always into the 70s or 80s. It's very rarely in the 60s. In fact, Pastor Nancy has told me people, once they reach their late 50s, she's told me this many times, uh, if people reach their late 50s, and they don't, she's always said that to me, late 50s, and they don't obey the plan of God, if, they, if they're missing it by their late 50s, they'll die in their 60s. But if they're right in their late 50s, they'll get through to those 70, late 70s and 80s. I don't know what it is, but late 50s are a very important time in people's lives. I'm not sure why, but at least ministers. I'm talking about ministers. And she gave me examples of people by their late 50s who, have, who got off and they, are dying, they always die in their 60s, always die in their 60s, never make it through. And the ones that were right make it through till their late 70s and 80s. So the Lord, and I already knew that, but he said, I'm going to tell you something about his life. He died prematurely. Now, that wasn't a shock to me because he died at 65. And I knew that, that does, that's not long life according to the Wigglesworth standard, who died at 87, the, the, the Dad Hagen standard, who died at 87. Listen, Dr. Dufresne died prematurely. We're not showing dishonor because we say somebody died prematurely. We need to learn why. So that I don't die prematurely. God showed us through Pastor Nancy why, what happened, the intricacies with doctor and why that happened so that we wouldn't struggle and that we would rest and that we would slow down and not be such a racehorse and that we would listen to instruction and not assume things because premature death robs the body of Christ. So when he said that to me, he died prematurely. My, that wasn't new to me. Because I thought, well, Lord, I know that, yeah, probably that's, that's too young to die at 65 and die of a stroke. A man that saw all the miracles and the healings to then die of a stroke. I said, Lord, something's missing. And I said, Lord, if he died prematurely, I need you to tell me why. He said, that's why I've come to tell you. I've come to tell you why he died prematurely. Now, you understand why I'm hesitant to say this? Because every quack and their dog out there might try to, you know, think I'm a noodle head. I don't really care. 
I know God and I know what he told me. And for whatever reason, he's saying now's the time to say it. And so he explained to me what he did, why he died prematurely. And the decision started on his decrease, his decline, when he was 58. Late 50s. He wrote the letter when he was 58. He died seven years later at 65. God gave him a season to change what he had said, but he didn't do it. And he opened the door because when you get out of the perfect will of God, you open the door. God's not doing anything to you. The devil's trying to kill every minister, but he can't touch you if you, if you stay in the will of God. He opened the door and then he got taken out, but that wasn't God's best and that wasn't God's highest. And so he, the Lord said to me, I'll show you why this happened to him. And we don't say it with any dishonor. We say it because we're learning from that general's mistake. And when we get to heaven, I'm going to hug him and I'm going to say, God showed me your mistake. But what one mistake you made, sir, you made 10,000 right decisions and you changed the world and you changed my life. But, but for the area that you missed it in, which we all do, there's no shame in it. God used it to help me. And that's, that's, all, that's, all my, that's my only heart. It's not to bring any kind of a thing. So I'm going to read you just that last page of the letter, if that would be okay. Yes. Would that be okay? Yes. It's 842. We have time. He says this, my heart burns for Africa. I would like to be there right now. And while I am considered a strong man for a man of my years, those that know me know the energy that I put into my ministry which consumes a tremendous vitality. And I have feared. And I have feared that if I came to Africa, I would not be able to stand up to a vigorous, smashing Holy Ghost campaign that I feel South Africa needs. Meaning... I long for it. What does that mean? My heart burns. I wish I was there now. My heart burns. What's God speaking to him? God's showing him. Go. But I fear. It takes so much effort. There's so much vitality. There's so much energy. And I'm a strong man, but I'm an older man in his mind. 58 was older. I can't go because I can't handle the amount of work. Because if I go, it's not just going to be a couple of services. It's going to be a vigorous, smashing Holy Ghost campaign. But I'm too weak. So I'm reading this. <laughs> and then, and the Lord said to me, that's why he died prematurely. And then he quoted, then God himself quoted me Romans chapter four. And Abraham considering not his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Stumbled not at the promises of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The Lord, and he spoke to me, there's no, dis, there's no dishonor. Listen, Dr. Dufresne died prematurely and we learned lessons from it. That doesn't bring shame. We're learning. Dr. Lake died early and we're learning why. So that we don't repeat it. He looked at his body. He probably looked at what the doctor said. He probably looked at what his family said. He probably, I don't know if his wife did or didn't say, he doesn't say. But whatever it was, or maybe there was no outside influence, it was just him, or maybe there was. We don't know, we don't care. The point is he looked at his body. And he said, at 58, I don't have the strength 
to go back to Africa. I did that in my younger years, but I don't have the strength anymore to do that. But if God is burning it in your heart to go, the safest place is not where you're expending vitality and energy. It's the safest place is to go where he tells you, spend whatever energy you need and divine energy will come back into you and you won't only fulfill the will of God, but you'll live out your years to an old man. But sometimes we make the mistake of looking at our bodies, looking at what we think we can handle. And I'm speaking to any one of you where... (laughs) I'm speaking to whoever you need to listen to me, not just ministers. You can't just look at what you feel strong enough to do. You must look at the plan of God and you must not consider your body being old or that in his case, because he needed a baby, he he can't have that on his own. So he had to look at his wife too. He didn't consider her dead womb and he didn't consider her his dead body. Do you understand? And for him, he had to make a baby. I don't mean to be, you know, descriptive, but... If certain things don't work, you can't make a baby. Do you understand? That's a pretty big problem. But he didn't look at that. He didn't look at him. He looked at the plan of God and he agreed with it. If Brother Abraham can do that, then we all can do that. Unfortunately, Brother Lake didn't do that. It probably wasn't the revelation in his time that we have today. We don't judge him. I'm just telling you a factual statement. He came in the room and he said to me, he died prematurely. And he said, I'm going to tell you why he died. And he said, read. And I read. And then, and then he spoke to me. That He said, he looked. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't obey Romans 4. He looked at his body. And he listened to other people. And he, and he didn't step out boldly. Boldly step out. I don't care if I'm weak. I don't care what the doctor says. If God says go back to Africa, I go back. He, unfortunately, that didn't happen. God gave him seven years to change his mind. He didn't. He had a stroke and he died. Let me read you uh, this other paragraph here because I think it's very powerful. He said, I sometimes think, this is the last part of the letter. I sometimes think that it would be one of my biggest joys in my life if I could just go over to Africa and gather together all the boys He's talking about the younger ministers that were with him. And lead them into one glorious, ferocious campaign against the devil and his power in Africa. I mean, that's the spirit of faith. That's an apostle speaking. That's somebody that's not afraid of witches. That's somebody that is, I'm telling you, there's heaven on those words. See, he's sometimes feeling it because God's trying to get it over to him. I sometimes think it would be one of the greatest joys of my life if I could go over there and gather them all together and lead them into one glorious, ferocious campaign against the devil and his power in Africa. (laughs) My God. And then he said the work in Africa, judging from the letters we receive, seems to just have gotten too nice. Are you listening? Works can get too nice. Too smooth, too modest, and too powerless to make it worthwhile for the devil to trample anybody into the ground like he tried to trample me. These are words from somebody that knows what they're talking about. You can have a ferocious and the devil tries to stop you. But then you get late, you get settled into all the bureaucracy, all the let's everybody don't, don't offend anybody. And the way he said is the works got too nice, too smooth, too modest. In other words, that, those were not positive things. We want to be modest, but he's trying to say, you guys became wimps. 
That's really what he's saying. And you go back so powerless, it wasn't even worth the devil's while to trample you in the ground anymore. He just knows he can leave you alone because you won't do anything anyway. But when I get there, he tries to trample me because I'm not putting, a, we're going to have a ferocious campaign against him and his power. So I'm reading this. And the Lord said to me, there's much in that letter that would be a blessing. Maybe one day I'll read it, the whole letter to you. Because there's so many nuggets in there, I'm telling you, that are just profound. But, but the Lord said to me in that room in Africa, he said that's why he went home early. Because he considered his body instead of the plan. And he said, and I had called him to come back to Africa to do a vicious campaign against hell. But he didn't. Do you understand? And that's all he said to me. And he said, no. so you understand, I'm there and I'm listening and I'm writing notes. And now I realize, wonderful, I have insight into this great man's personal life from God himself. And I don't want to talk about it, which is the first time I've ever seen it publicly today, but uh, Lord, thank you, but I didn't connect dots. I just thought, well, that's nice. Thank you for showing me that. I didn't cross my mind that it had anything to do with me. Mm. Not one thought ever until this week. I've been asking God, why did I go over there to pick up whatever this thing is that Pastor Jay prophesied? And I know it was from you, Lord, but what is that? I've never connected dots until this week. That's because people are praying and now revelation is coming. And it's like two dots right beside each other, the most obvious logical thing in the world, and yet... I can't see the line. Sometimes you need God to connect dots for you because you just, they're right beside each other, but you still can't connect the line. In your mind, in your understanding, you can't connect it. And he has to connect it. So he came to me this week. My precious Jesus, he, he loves us more than we realize, Jenny. And he's not as mad with us as sometimes we think he should be because we can miss it so much. But he came to me and he said, you knew that you had to go and pick up a mantle that John G. Lake dropped because that prophet prophesied it. And you went. And I told you that you'd picked it up. He said, but you don't even know what you picked up. I said, I know, Lord. I've been asking you for four years because I don't understand what I picked up. And he said to me this week, he said, I told you what you picked up in the hotel room. I said, no, you didn't. He said, I told you what you picked up in the hotel room. I said, Lord, I was there. You didn't tell me. I don't understand what this means. I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you. And he said, when I explained to you why he died young, that is what you picked up, but you can't connect this dot to this dot. I felt so stupid. He said, I'm connecting them for you. He said, you've been asking me all these years what you got there. Because I know I got something. But when you don't understand it, you don't talk about it. That's why I haven't talked about it, because I don't understand. Why talk about something you don't know what you're talking about? So just stay silent until you get revelation. I've been asking privately. He hasn't said a word. He said it to me this week. He said, the man. <laughs> See, when, 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 when Jay said, there's a mantle that was dropped by a great man of God, I looked at it like Elijah dropping his mantle. Do you understand? And like that Amy Simple McPherson mantle, that is kind of what it is. There's, just, there's nothing negative about it. There's just a mantle that's come. But he said to me, you didn't look at it right. It's not dropped like that. It's dropped like this. 
He said, John Lake, and he used the word let go. He said, John Lake, let go the assignment. What is the mantle? It's an anointing on assignment. John Lake let go the assignment for a revival in Africa. I wanted him to go back and I wanted him to do a ferocious campaign against the devil and his power in that land. And he dropped it. Not this thing that you think about in the Bible. He dropped it meaning, no. He let it go is a better way of saying it. He let it go. He said that mantle or that anointing is for a revival in Africa. And I called him to do it, but he said no. That mantle has been sitting there for years. And now I asked you to go and pick it up. And you did, but you didn't even know what you picked up. You've been holding it, but you don't even know what you're holding. Because there's a little dot here. I said, go pick up a mantle. And there's a little dot here. And you can't even connect two dots. I'm telling you what this is. The mantle or the anointing on assignment for a revival in Africa is what he let go. And it has to be picked up by somebody. So I've assigned you to pick it up. And you went and fasted and you picked it up. Didn't really even know what you picked up. You've been asking me four years, what is this mantle to do? Well, I'm telling you now, if you could have just connected the dots, I wouldn't have had to do it. But I'm telling you now, the mantle that you picked up, the mantle you hold for Africa is for, a, is for a revival that was supposed to come through John Lake. But because he said, no, I'm using, I'm going to use you. Now, I'm not, I say that so humbly, not with a big head in any way, shape, or form, because I'm, aware, I'm better aware than anybody else that I'm nothing. But he came to me this week, and he said, you won't connect the dots are right there, boy, but you can't draw a line. So I'm going to draw it. I mean, honestly, sometimes God looks at us like we're, I know he thinks we're stupid sometimes. He doesn't tell us because he's so kind, but the way he said it to me was, there's a dot here and there's a dot there. You can't draw a line. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I just can't see it. I can't see it. He said, I'm going to draw it for you and I'm going to connect the dot for you and I'm going to tell you what you've picked up. What you picked up is what he let go. What you picked up is the anointing for a revival in Africa. And he said, listen, and he said, but not just any revival. He said, a vicious and ferocious campaign, a Holy Ghost smashing against the devil and his power on that land. That is what you hold and you don't even realize what you hold. You hold something precious and powerful. You hold something that the devil is afraid of and you don't even know what you hold. I'm telling you what you hold because you've got to start praying. We hold the mantle that John Lake dropped and it didn't come out of my mind. It came from a prophet. And I obeyed and he walked into that room and he came to me and he said he died because he, he and I, did, I still didn't connect it. I should have connected it in the room. Well, if he died and dropped this, maybe that's what I'm here picking up. But I still didn't connect it then. Four years I haven't connected it until this week because people are praying for me. This week the box of Revelation opened and he said what he dropped in the spirit was for revival. One smashing, ferocious move, a roar of God in that land that makes the devil quake. But I, I said, Lord, why, why me? He didn't answer me. He said, but I've called you and I've selected you to pick that up. And you're going to go with that mantle. 
and you're going to have, and then, and then the word of God, the prophetic word of God came to me in my bedroom this week. And he said, and there will be an outpouring of my, I've memorized it, an outpouring of my spirit in the land of Africa. And it will be marked by amazing signs, wonders, and miracles, and an apostolic roar. That's what he said, an apostolic roar. Why? Because John Lake was an apostle. They call him the apostle to Africa. So that, see, even there, how, look at how masterful God is. John Lake being an apostle, there's an apostolic element in that mantle. It has to come to an apostle. It can't come to an evangelist. It has to come to like, like and like, apple to apple, not apple to watermelon. God needs an apostle to pick up that apostolic mantle for a revival that won't just have signs and wonders, but will have an apostolic, that's how we said it, an apostolic roar. An apostolic roar. Think about that. A roar that goes through the land. And there's an apostolic churches that pop up. And he said, that's what you don't know what you've got, boy. I'm telling you, he came to me this week. You don't know what you've got. You've got something the devil's afraid of. There is coming an outpouring of my spirit in Africa. He should have run it. But a hundred plus years have passed. And now it's coming. It's coming, and I've asked you to do it. It's coming, and I've asked you to do it. It's coming, and I've asked you to do it, and you've picked it up, and you've got the son, and he's in position. It's coming. It's coming. A revival is coming. And so I said to him, Lord, am I permitted to ask you without it? Because when God comes like that, I'm telling you, if you've never experienced that, you're very hesitant to ask him questions because there's such an overwhelming force that he speaks with you. It's like, just shut up and write it down. So I'm, I'm afraid to even ask into that kind of presence. But I said, Lord, am I allowed to ask you when? And he answered me without hesitation. He said, five years. And, I'm, and I can't process, I'm, I can't process when the presence comes like that. So after it was over and it lifted, I went and I counted. I said, when is five years? And I said, well, Matthew just went in January of 23. 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. I said, oh my God, Lord. Dr. Dufresne prophesied that in 27, the last day great revival would begin. Lord, our Jerusalem year starts in 2027. Everything, in, in, it goes from 2020 uh, to 2027 in our Hebron year, and then we step into the Jerusalem because that's when, the, that's when something's going to start to turn. And I, I'm telling you, he said five years, which takes us right to 2027's end, and then I believe at either the end of 27 or early 28 this thing is going to start happening in Africa. And I, I didn't process Taylor. I wasn't counting thinking, well, I think he's going to say five years because I know that our thing is in 2027. So let me ask, but I think I, I wasn't doing that. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about the counter. I just said, can I ask you when? He said, five years. Then when I added up, I thought, oh my God, that's right. Exactly. When we've been talking, our Jerusalem years are starting. When the revival is starting. And the Lord said to me, he said, you have five years to prepare. I'm telling you. So I'm going there in May. We've already booked the tickets. Reverend Taylor's going with me. Uh, Miss, Miss uh, Willie, who by the Holy Ghost, I prophesied and she feels peace. She's going with me to observe because I believe that God's going to send her back to teach. 
she can stay there and never go to the same church twice for a year and do two services a, a week because there's over 200 pastors and 200 churches that are desperate for teaching. So God already showed it her to me and now, and now her sidekick because I also saw Hortense in the spirit. I saw Hortense there. I said, Lord, are you, are you sure? Because Hortense is going to beat everybody up. Hortense don't take no for an answer. Hortense is, Hortense is bold. We don't want to kill anybody, Lord. Are you sure you want Hortense? But I saw her in the spirit. And so Hortense is going with me in May. And he has an SUV and it's Taylor, Hortense, and Willie in the back. And me and Matthew in the front. And the potholes are the size of VW Bugs. I don't know who's sitting in the middle, but if I were you, I'd sit by the door so you could hold on, brother. I think Willie being, being, being uh, the, one, the first one that God showed me, you get the window seat to hold on. Hortense, you're in the middle, sister. You bring your medical kit with you if you'd like. You're in the middle. But I'm telling you, we, we have five years to prepare for this. I'm saying it because it must be spoken. I'm not trying to bring dishonor on anybody, especially not Dr. John G. Lake, for goodness sakes. But he did drop something. He let it go. And, and for some crazy reason, there's so many other people more qualified, but I don't know why. But he, he chose, he chose. But I think it's interesting knowing in God's foreknowledge long before I knew that he was choosing me, that it's interesting that from 11 years old, I've been feeding on his material. <laughs> Just like the Amy Simple McPherson mantle, I had to be in the right place. So I was in that first church. Then I went to the other church. Now I'm in this church. See, God had me following that mantle without me even knowing it. Uh, there was no church associated with John G. Lake's mantle like the Amy Simple, but, but the impartation came through books because he's not alive. I couldn't go to his meetings, but I've been feeding on him since I was 11 years old. There's a reason that God does these things because he's trying to get you prepared. He's trying to get you positioned. He's trying to get the spirit of that person to impact you. And I, and I just didn't, I didn't think it was anything. I didn't really think it was important. I just knew that I was drawn to his stuff and I left it at that. But then all of a sudden we go, and I knew I picked it up, but I didn't even know what I picked up. I picked up the revival that he was called to lead. And Greg, I didn't know that till this week. For four years, I've been asking, what did I pick up? What did I pick up? I don't know what I picked up. Help me to see what I picked up. Because if I don't know what I picked up, I can't show honor for it. He showed me this week. That's what we picked up, guys. When John Lake made the decision, and, he, and it's written in that letter. If he didn't write that letter, we wouldn't know. If the people didn't publish that letter, I wouldn't know. If I had picked the other book with all my handwritten notes, I wouldn't have known. I picked the wrong book, which was the right book by accident. I didn't even know the letter existed. I'm sitting there on the couch thinking, what, what is going on here? Lord, this letter doesn't exist. I called Jenny. I said, I don't know if you remember, but I called you and I said, get my John Lake book. She said, I've got it. Look in the beginning. Is there a letter there? No. Well, why is there a letter in this book, but not a letter in that book? Exact same book, exact same publisher. Because they took it out. Because they got persecuted. But God knew that and he had me pick the right book without even knowing. And for three days and three nights, I read different parts of the book, but he focused on that letter. And he spoke to me. And I guess the biggest thing, which I didn't even realize, was telling me that he let go an assignment for revival. 
a ferocious, vicious campaign. I like those words because it's not namby-pamby. It's not, well, let's just get along and sing kumbaya and get one or two people saved. It is, we are going to move and decapitate every... I'm telling you, it's power. And if you understand John Lake, he operated in that. Witches would come and they would fall before him. I mean, it was, he operated in an apostolic power that most people have never realized. And he says it. If you read his books, he'll say that. He said, I've never heard of anybody operating. And he's not saying it proudly. He's saying it honestly. I've never heard of anybody operate under this kind of power since 2,000 years ago in the early church. The miracles that he saw, especially amongst the Africans, in the villages, in the back country, where do you think I'm going? Not just Monrovia, but into the villages and into the back country. And I'm telling you, I'm holding it. Father, we're holding We're holding. I didn't even know what I got. And I'm so sorry for not connecting the dots. But we're holding a mantle from that great apostle of Africa who was also from southern Ontario. Lord, it is astonishing to me how both of them came from a close distance from southern Ontario. John Lake was a southern Ontario Canadian. And he loved Canada. And he went to the States and he went to Africa. And for some reason, you've asked us to pick this up. And we have picked it up. I've already picked it up. I just didn't know what I had. Well, now I know what I have. So I I show honor for it, Father. There will be a mighty Holy Ghost smashing campaign. There will be a vicious, ferocious move of heaven against Satan and his power in that land. It will come. And this mantle will bring it to pass. And we will pray, Father. And we will prepare, Father. And we have five years to prepare. And Matthew will prepare. And I will prepare. And those that are called to go, like Willie and others, will prepare. And Lord, you're going to pour out of your spirit upon that land. And there will be a mighty move. marked by signs, wonders, and miracles. And an apostolic roar. Because I have a mantle for for that land. Not just Liberia, but for that land. I have a mantle for it. John Lake, let it go, Father. In some ways, I'm grateful he did. I wish he hadn't, but in some ways, I'm grateful he did because you've asked us to pick it up. I don't understand why you chose us. I don't understand why it's over 100 years later. I just know that you told me to go. I know you came in that room. I know you spoke to me. And I know that we have it. And you spoke to me this week. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you spoke to me. You've helped me see what happened in 2019. And now you want me to show honor for it. Thank you, Father, for what John Lake did in that land. Thank you, Father, for that mental, that anointing, that assignment for a move of God, a smashing vigorous campaign. Lord, it resides in me. It breathes in me. That anointing is on me to do it. And I won't step out prematurely. Although when I sense that anointing come, I feel like I'm a lion. I feel like I could tear the devil's throat out. But Lord, I won't step out prematurely because you said five years. So I will give the five years of sufficient preparation. But then Lord, turn us loose. Turn us loose, Lord. Turn loose your power in that land. Let your power fall in that land. Let witchcraft be pushed back. Let witchcraft be destroyed. Let the eyes of the people, the darkness that blinds their eyes, let those scales fall off and let thousands come to the kingdom. Let miracles, signs, and wonders be wrought that have not yet been seen in that land ever before. Because that mantle is on us to have a move of God. 
Oh, my Lord. And you could have chosen many other people that are missionaries to Africa. But for some reason, you chose John Lake because there's elements in his mantle for that land that we need. For some reason, you chose Amy. There's elements in her mantle that we need. So, Father, I have no idea why you're having me talk about it last Wednesday and why you're having me talk about it today. It seems too holy to utter. It seems too reverent to even explain. It seems too precious to me to sully it by saying it. I would rather keep it hidden and to protect it and pray over it. But I know you and you said, say it. So, Lord, there's something that won't sully it by saying it. There's something that must be spoken for it to come to pass. There's something where the people must hear it so they can pick up the assignment and pray for it. Obviously, Lord, it cannot just be protected in my own heart. I need the prayers of the saints to prepare us for this move. And we're going to have it. We're going to have it. Hallelujah. The glory center in Toronto and it shall be called the glory center in Africa. Yes, Father, I didn't see that till right now. The same name, the same name you already showed the Henrys that the church in the Philippines would be called the glory center Philippines. Now, Lord, you've already shown me the, through Randy Greer that this church's name is going to change. The glory center known as promise of life. Well, Lord, I thank you that that's what it's going to be called, the Glory Center Africa. And the glory is going to come. And those precious people, those precious people are going to see the glory of God. And they're going to be pressed to make a decision. And I believe thousands upon tens of thousands are going to make decisions. And we give you praise for it. Lord, I didn't, I thank you that you've helped me say it in a way that did not bring any dishonor to the great general John G. Lake. We're so grateful for what he did in the earth. And we learn from his mistakes. We learn from them. We will not look at our bodies. We will look at the plan of God. We won't look at the inconvenience. We will look at the plan of God. I thank you, Jesus. Mm. I thank you, Jesus. There's an angel standing right beside me. God's telling me what his job description is for Africa. You see, he won't let us move forward without angelic assistance. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Angel, I dispatch you. Mighty angel of God, I dispatch you. We're five years out, but much needs to be done. Go in the name of Jesus and prepare the way for revival in Africa. I thank you, Jesus. There he goes. I thank you, Jesus. Holy things. This stuff is real. I'm not making this up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Those angels, when they come to me, they're so distinct. They usually rub me. They usually move and let me feel their physical. There's a physical movement where they let me know I'm right here. And then the Holy Ghost tells me what they've come for and what to dispatch them for. Because they don't just come to make you feel good. They come for a purpose. 
Now you see that angel, he said to me, Jenny, that angel was big, man. Holy Toledo. He was huge. In fact, he's one of the biggest I think I've ever, he's huge. And I heard him say he's the mighty, that's what he said. He's the mighty angel for Africa. Now, why did he come today? Because I didn't connect the dots till just now. And I didn't say it till tonight. But as soon as I showed honor for that mantle, look what happened, Jenny. That mighty angel came to assist me with that mantle. And he's gone. I saw him fly off. He's gone. He can go to Africa at the speed of thought. Not at the speed of light, at the speed of thought. He's there preparing the way. He's there preparing the way. And there's angels under him that are preparing the way. And they're preparing the way for our conference in May. And they're going to prepare the way every year because there's going to be an outpouring in either late 27 or early 28. There's going to be an outpouring on African soil. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I say it on record and I, I stake that flag now. It will surely come to pass. I'm not playing games with this and neither is God. Hallelujah. Africa. I don't know what countries are going to be included, but I just know he didn't tell me Liberia. He said Africa. That obviously means it's more than one nation. Africa. There's going to be an outpouring, Jenny, in Africa. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I give you praise and glory. Lord, it was challenging and stressful a little bit for me to say these things for fear of those not in the room, but mainly those watching. Because I know many would try to accuse us falsely and misunderstand and manipulate our words. But my heart is right before you. And I know what you have said, and I have obeyed you in the repeating of it. And I thank you, Lord, that it must be spoken. And by honoring it verbally, I thank you that now, Jenny, the clock starts tonight. I can't explain it to you, but something starts tonight when it comes to Africa. That's why that angel showed up. I've often wondered, Lord, I know there's angels for Africa, but he's never come like that. That's because now that I know what the mantle is for, now that I've declared it and I've preached it and I've put it on public record and I've shown honor for it, that angel now is is, is permitted by God to come and assist us with it. Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You don't understand what it's like there. Where you sent the crayons and the papers and all that stuff that we raised money for a couple years back for the Lacombe School. You, you, you understand what they go through? I met some of the parents when I was at that school and they said to me, uh, I said, how do you, where do you live? Oh, we live down there. I said, what, is there a bus or a car or how do you get your kids to, to, to school? And they said, well, we used to let them ride the, the, the bicycles. We used to let them walk, but now we can't. And I said, why? Why can't you let them walk? because they'll die. I said, what are you talking about? Like it, to me, it's so far. And, and the leader of the school looked at me. He said, Pastor Craig, you're from Canada. You wouldn't understand. I said, what wouldn't I understand? He said, we are infested with witches. There are witches everywhere and they hunt children. And he said, every week children are kidnapped and they eat them and they sacrifice them to Satan. And that is what Milton Blahi, the guy that turned his life over to Jesus that I met, he killed over 250 children, cut their hearts out, ate their hearts. Demon power would fill him. And when they would shoot him with a gun, the bullet would bounce off him. I mean, this is, this is another world that you don't even know about. She said every week they kidnap children and they kill them. Sacrificial satanic rituals. She said, we're not allowed to let our children out of our sight. We have to drive and pick them. 
We have to arm ourselves many times when we're walking through the forest area because those witches will hire people to come and overpower us and they want children. They don't want adults. They want innocent blood. That's how sick the devil is. He doesn't want you. He wants a child before the age of puberty because they're innocent. And that innocent blood gets those demon powers in frenzy. She said, you don't understand. We're infested with them. <laughs> that, now, now you see, see, God, we need strong, ferocious, Holy Ghost smashing campaign against the devil and his power in Africa. And there is power that you have never even heard of because it's not like here. The devil runs rampant. It's like the Wild West there spiritually. That's why God's called us because we're going to go and smash things. I'm serious. We're going to go and smash things. But not me. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. The anointing is going to smash things. And they need it. They need a move of God. They need a revival in that land and in Sierra Leone where the, the civil war in both countries were one of the most bloody ever. There's demon spirits that control that region that are bloodlust demon spirits. They love blood. They want to murder. There's a murdering spirit. That's why they tried to assassinate. They've already tried to assassinate Matthew. You understand what I'm saying? But thank God for the Holy Ghost. This is another we're not playing games. When we talk about Africa, we're not talking about a little, let's just go and have a picnic. We're talking about you're going into the lion's den. But praise God, we can go into the lion's den with an anointing and slay the lions. Hallelujah. So thank you for listening and being open-hearted. I, I was hesitant to share, but I'm glad I did. I feel the Lord is smiling, Jennifer. I feel he is so pleased that we have put this publicly on a record that angel has come and he's already working. He's already right there right now in that nation working. That's how fast they can get there. And we're going to see, I know today's, you say, well, what, what about Mississauga? That's not what we're talking about today. This ministry has other arms. It's not just Mississauga. Tonight was dedicated by God for Africa. Amen. And so everyone turn around, please, and put your hands toward that camera right now. Everybody turn around and stretch your hands toward that camera. Heavenly Father, we pray for Pastor Matthew and Pastor Precious right now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the precious blood of Jesus that covers them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet, their vehicles, their homes, where they travel, their children. We thank you, Lord, for the strength of God that comes into Pastor Matthew, the wisdom of God that is his portion, the anointing of God that is on him because he's under us and he's under this mantle. And I thank you that he takes this five years. Every day matters. Every day counts. Show him how to prepare. Show him how to pray. Show him how to get ready. For we will have a vigorous, ferocious, Holy Ghost smashing campaign against the devil and his power in that land. And Jesus will be glorified. And tens of thousands will be saved. And thousands will be healed. And we thank you for the glory of God that is coming. And we have that mental of John G. Lake, that man that operated in that apostolic power, that vicious power, Lord, it breathes in us. And we will operate in it. And Matthew will operate in it to a measure even before the five years is up. So we bless him tonight. And we thank you that you encourage him and strengthen him and Pastor Precious. In Jesus' name, we say amen. And amen. Hallelujah. My God, Jenny, makes me want to go to Africa right now. But you see, you can't get out of the timing. You got to stay in the timing. Mm -mm -mm. We're going to have a great trip in May. Praise God.